Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday. It is May the 22nd, 2020, and uh, at the beginning of Memorial Day weekend. I thank you for joining me. Uh, always great to catch up with you at the end of the week to uh, check in with the latest madness, and believe me, that's a target-rich environment. But let's begin by remembering the reason we have Memorial Day weekend. It's not about making purchases or barbecues. Certainly, it's part of the activities we enjoy traditionally, a little different or a lot different this year. But really, it's about remembering all of those incredibly brave and valiant patriotic American warriors, the soldiers from all branches of the military who gave their lives, made the ultimate sacrifice to preserve, protect, and defend this nation, our citizens, and the Constitution. We must never lose sight of why we have Memorial Day weekend. For those of you who served in the military, I thank you so much for your dedication and your service to our nation. I really believe the world has gone mad. Uh, There's just no two ways about it. You know, I generally focus on immigration. Sometimes I step away from the immigration issue a bit. Um, You know, my background, I spent 30 years with the former INS, the Immigration and Naturalization Service. But I really had to focus in on immigration in my latest article for Front Page Magazine, which was just published a couple of days ago. Pardon me. The title of my article, For the Dems, that is to say, The Democrats to Succeed, Americans Must Fail, Inside the Left's Morbid Agenda to Destroy America's Middle Class. You know, when you talk to people about immigration, very often if they don't understand the impact that this has on so many areas in so many ways, they look at you and they say, yeah, it's kind of significant. And if you look at the polls that are done, what do you think is the most important issue? Is it the economy? Is it national security? Let's forget about the COVID virus, hopefully. Uh, This will recede into the rearview mirror before too long. We hope. We pray that it does. But you cannot think of a significant area or very few significant areas that we deal with that aren't hammered by the way we enforce, administer our immigration laws and secure or fail to secure our nation's borders. Importing lots of foreign workers displaces American workers, drives down wages, and results in homelessness. If you import lots of people who need to rent housing, this is about supply and demand. This is all about supply and demand. Flood America with potential rentors, the demand for housing goes up, the price of housing goes up. If you suppress wages, incomes, and purchasing powers of the people who are here, the Americans, resident aliens, whomever, goes down. There comes a point, and it's been reached for far too many families in America, where the price of housing exceeds the ability of people to pay for the housing, and they wind up homeless. And the media will always just write it off. Oh, these are people with mental illness. These are people who are on drugs. That's true. And some of the people who are on drugs got into substance abuse because they couldn't deal with the stresses of their lives. Uh, I, I will be honest. I don't want to sound like I'm holier than anybody. I never thought of getting drunk or getting high as a solution for any problems, because when you wake up in the morning, the problems are still there, and now you've added a new one. You can't think straight. But there are people who fall victim to addiction for a bunch of reasons. And we have drugs pouring across the border. And we have countries like China, not just Mexico, but China, sending us fentanyl. They're like the number one source for fentanyl in America. It's a highly deadly drug. There have been raids conducted in apartments where there were literally enough fentanyl to kill millions of people. This is a deadly drug. Now, look at what that does. And when you have children and you are addicted to drugs, 
Very often those kids wind up being pulled out of those homes. They become homeless or they become children in foster care. And for all the talk about how those kids at the border are being separated from supposedly their parents, and we don't know that. We know that alien smugglers have been using children as a way of getting aliens into the United States. They claim it's their child because of court decisions. They can't be detained. So they use those children as a free pass. Many of these kids have been recycled. Many of these kids are under the age of five. Why? Because you can't question a three-year-old or two-year-old. There was a case where an illegal alien who had been previously deported and had a criminal history was found waiting across the Rio Grande with a five-month-old baby in his arms that turned out not to be his. But the media doesn't talk about that. The way the media covers the issue is the way that the public gets to perceive the issue. So that perception becomes reality. How frequently does that happen? Every day of the week. The media lies. The public has no idea they're lying. They walk away with a very false idea. This is why when countries are overthrown, when governments and regimes are overthrown, the rebels seize the means of communication, radio, television, uh, newspapers. Why? Control the flow of information. Censorship is synonymous with dictatorships. Keep people from knowing what's really going on. Uh, in government, we jokingly called it the mushroom treatment. Keep them in the dark and feed them lots of manure. That's how we, we raise mushrooms, and that's how you treat people like mushrooms. Keep them in the dark and feed them a lot of manure. Isn't that what we're seeing? Governor Cuomo has blood on his hands. He and other governors made a decision, a horrific decision, to move people into nursing homes who had the COVID virus. Why on earth would you do that? Cuomo goes out there and says, well, I was just following the guidelines established by the federal government. It was interesting because on Fox yesterday they focused on that. And there was a bald-faced lie. But Cuomo isn't a novice at lying. He's a professional liar. This is the guy who calls ICE agents thugs. This is the guy who gives illegal aliens driver's licenses which violates the recommendations of the 9-11 Commission and then blocks information from DMV computers to ICE and the Border Patrol, but gladly provides that very same information to the Border Authorities of Canada. The enormity of this damage that this creates is beyond comprehension. We need to know who has a license and registration. When law enforcement does a car stop, when they're doing an investigation, you conduct surveillance. I did this for many, many years. A car pulls up in front of a suspected location, whether it's a terrorist, whether it's a gang, whether it's a drug trafficking organization. You write down the license plate numbers. Why? You identify who's driving there. Who is it? Does the guy have a warrant? Do we know this person? If I was an ICE agent today, I would not be able to do that. I'd be flying blindly. Now, think about it. Smugglers ought to be going to New York to register their vehicles because they could be coming across the Mexican border and the Customs and Border Protection inspectors normally run the license plate. Is this guy wanted? Is the tag okay? Do we know anything about it? It doesn't matter where you are in the United States. It's not just the New York State. If it's a New York State license plate, if ICE or the Border Patrol or Customs and Border Protection inspectors punch the license plate into a computer, it comes back, you may not have any information whatsoever about this vehicle, this plate, or that person. If they want to run a driver's license to see if the guy has a license, unavailable. Every other agency can get the information. But if you enforce immigration laws, you are completely barred. The only way you can get the information is you have to submit a subpoena for the individual license plate and when they get around to it, who knows when, then they may or may not give you the information. This is endangering the lives of ICE agents. But again, understand that I think Cuomo wants to see ICE agents get hurt because they've been getting injured since you made the statement. They're thugs. They're animals. We're going to protect the immigrants from those thugs. Immigration authorities provide aliens with lawful status. As an immigration agent, I not only... Uh, did investigations to remove aliens from the United States, which we did. I did a lot of criminal cases that way. But we also are supposed to allow aliens into the United States. And, in fact, the very same immigration laws that tell us who to kick out and who to keep out tell us who to let in. 
and every year the United States admits more than one million lawful immigrants. They're given green cards. They're placed on the pathway to U.S. citizenship. They're here forever as long as they abide by our laws. I was happy when I spent a year as an adjudications officer to approve applications for green cards. This isn't an adversarial relationship. It's not an adversarial relationship any more than the cop who patrols the highways keeps the road safe for the other motorists. So they pull drivers off the road who are speeding, who are driving recklessly, who appear to be drunk, whose cars appear to not be safe to operate, license, uh, uh, license, uh, lights are out, or the car is swerving all over the place, or the suspension seems to be off. They'll pull them over. Why? Because they create a safety hazard for all the other people on the road. <clears throat> That's not an adversarial relationship. It's a way of protecting public safety. I'm happy when I see the cops out patrolling. I keep my speed to within 10 miles of the speed limit in New York City. They're pretty good about it. If you stay within 10 miles, unless it's really bad weather or you're doing something else wrong, no one's going to bother you. If you pull into a sobriety checkpoint, I have my license, I have my registration, I have my insurance card, I'm not drunk, I don't have any outstanding warrants, I pull in. It's a, it's a nuisance that you waste some time, but I feel that it helps to make the road safer, so I'm happy to comply. I wish them a safe tour that, that day, and they wish me a safe trip, and everybody smiles, and we wave at each other, and we're on our way. That's what immigration's about. It's not about singling out one race or one religion or one ethnicity or, or, or to be a bigot or a racist or a hater. <clears throat> I've arrested aliens from just about every country you could imagine, from all over the world, not just from Latin America, not just people who are Latinos. I arrested more illegal Israelis than probably anybody in the history of the New York field office, and I'm Jewish. I don't think I'm an anti-Semite. But my uh, first fraud investigation, if you've been following my program for any length of time or you've read any of my articles or congressional testimony, you know that my very first fraud investigation caused me to trip over a terror plot in Israel. We were able to prevent the bombing of an oil refinery. There's a clear nexus between immigration and terrorism, and we'll get to that momentarily. So because of that, from that day forward, whenever the Israelis had a fugitive that they thought fled to the United States, we would get a phone call my partner and I, who, by the way, was also a Jew back then. And we would go out and arrest the illegal alien and send him home to Israel to stand trial. In one such case, the individual was wanted for murder. He had murdered a Palestinian woman. He had fled to the United States, and we found him. We arrested him, and we sent him home. That makes us a thug to help them close out a case, to help that family uh, gain some measure of comfort knowing that the person who killed their relative is now in jail. I thought that's what justice was about. Uh, also understand that when aliens work in this country and they're not supposed to be working, they're taking jobs that Americans would do. This lie about the work Americans won't do is insulting to everybody. You should be infuriated. Yeah, we're too lazy to do physically demanding jobs and too stupid to do high-tech jobs so if you ask Ted Cruz on the, on the right, America needs to lead, and the way we should lead is to bring in the world's best and brightest by the hundreds of thousands. Exceptional aliens, exceptional people should always be welcome in the United States, the Albert Einsteins, the Elon Musks. Absolutely, it's great when they come here. I'm all for it. But when you're bringing in hundreds of thousands of programmers, hundreds of thousands of whatever profession you want, it's not that we don't measure up to them is that they will work for lower wages under worse conditions. This is a way of suppressing wages, destroying the middle class, and that's the point to my article. The goal, apparently, for the Democratic Party is to do everything imaginable and perhaps unimaginable to destroy the middle class, to make it impossible for American middle class workers to get by without some kind of public assistance. And, of course, Who's waiting in the wings to give you a check for public assistance? The Democrats. The Republicans don't do that because the Republicans will tell you you're on your own, Charlie. So the Democrats looked at that equation and said, hey, if we can force enough Americans into financial dependency on the government, we will own those Americans and their votes. This is kind of like the, the true thug the drug dealer who peddles that garbage on our streets and gives free samples to the kids in high school. Now, why is he giving them free samples? 
Is he a nice guy? No. Is he trying to help them enjoy themselves so they can get stoned? Absolutely not. Because he knows if he gives them free samples and they take the drugs, they will be hooked. And now he has permanent customers, and they become so desperate to feed that habit they commit all sorts of crimes. They act in self-destructive ways, girls turning to prostitutions, guys committing robberies, and women committing robberies as well. Their lives spiral out of control. They create a huge problem for society. And instead of building a bright future at that young age, many of them find themselves in a vicious cycle of addiction and imprisonment, uh, only to be released to commit more crime, victimizing more people. That's what drug dealers do. They hook people, and then they reel them in. That's what the Democrats are doing, hooking Americans and saying, oh, we'll help you pay that bill. We will help you with housing. We will help you with food stamps. Why do these people need food stamps? Many of them are working because the money they make doesn't cover all of their expenses. That's what this is about. Alan Greenspan testified for Chuck Schumer back in April 30th, 2009, and he's written about it as recently as a few months ago. And he said, in essence, that the solution to wage inequality is to make American highly skilled workers, people with graduate degrees, compete with foreign workers. And if we did that, we could eliminate the wage premium that they're earning because they're getting much too much money. We need to cut that money. It's just not right that they're making that kind of money. And they're only making that money because we're not doing a good enough job of letting everybody in to compete with them. So if we could bring in foreign competition, we could get rid of that wage premium, and then we would greatly reduce wage inequality between Americans with skills and Americans with lesser skills. And he actually had the unmitigated chutzpah, infuriatingly, to refer to middle-class, high-tech workers. Are you ready for this term? Privileged elite. Where have you ever heard anyone sound so contemptuous of middle-class, highly skilled, highly educated workers as to call them the privileged elite earning this wage premium? So the solution is flood America with lots of foreign workers. We get rid of that wage premium. We kill the middle class. And now the poor have nobody to be envious of because we've just turned the middle class into the working poor. That's the goal. Think I'm kidding you? Look at the HEROES Act. One of the things it does, think of this. It would gut the Buy American program. Buy American goes back almost 90 years, 87 years ago, 1933. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt passed that bill. He signed off on it. Congress passed it. It went to his desk, and he signed off on Buy American. Why in 1933? We all know about the stock market crash of 1929, don't we? What you may not know is that in 1932, the stock market actually hit rock bottom. So that was when it totally bottomed out in the summer of 1932. Congress acted swiftly with the White House to enact the Buy American law that said that the federal government may not purchase materials from outside the United States as long as there were companies making those products in the United States. So let me give you an example. <clears throat> I used to carry a Beretta, a Beretta 40 caliber handgun as an agent. It was purchased by, by the old INS, the Immigration and Naturalization Service, it became the standard duty carry, the weapon that we all carried on duty as agents. There was a time when we used to be able to purchase our own weapons. They may be doing that again. I don't know. But there was a period when the government said, we'll give you the guns. Beretta is an Italian company. We all know that. But in order to qualify to sell their guns to the U.S. military, and they did, and to federal law enforcement, they did, and to city and state law enforcement, and they bought them also, Beretta had to build a factory in the United States that employed Americans. So then when those guns were purchased, yes, the money went to a company overseas, but the workers who assembled those firearms were here in America. Buy American makes perfect sense. It puts Americans to work. That was the goal of the Buy America Act. How could anyone complain about it? Well, guess what? The Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, the Wicked Witch of the West, concocts this piece of trash, the HERO Act, and it strikes that requirement right out of the law. No more. 
The United States no longer has to buy anything made in America. They can buy anything from anywhere, especially China. Why on earth, at a time when tens of millions of Americans are out of work and scared to death that their jobs may have gone away permanently, of all the times, why would you now turn around and say, why eliminate the Buy in America provision? Do you think any of these so-called journalists will ever ask Nancy Pelosi that question? Of course not. It's a question that needs to be asked and needs to be answered. I don't see a damn reason why this should be happening. And if you can come up with an explanation, get in touch with me through my website, michaelcutler.net. This is lunacy. There is absolutely no justification to do this unless you're trying to screw American workers. The Democrat Party used to be the party of the American worker. That's why I'm registered as a Democrat. My dad was a blue-collar worker. He was a tradesman. He was a plumber that did construction. He didn't do the repair work. He was the guy that worked at Kennedy Airport. He worked on the World's Fair. And I used to get to go to these places that he was working on while they were under construction, which was a lot of fun and made me very proud of my father. I'm always very proud of both of my parents. They're my heroes. And they were Democrats because the Democratic Party back then supported the workers and the Republicans supported the business owners. And we understand that dynamic tension, that relationship. And that's fine. It made sense. The world was logical and rational. And then the Democrats have now turned around and they knifed the American workers in the back. Their bill would also greatly expand the number of work visas. Their bill would also provide amnesty for illegal aliens. Their bill would also declare and catch this one. Every illegal alien working in America, illegal alien, if I'm a resident alien, I'm not talking about immigrants, they call them immigrants, it's illegal aliens, okay? Everyone would be declared, are you ready? An essential worker. They're here illegally and that makes them essential. Think of those images of the people that have gyms, like in New Jersey, that were locked down by the governor, threatened with arrest if you opened up your gym. Non-essential. They did it to a woman running a beauty parlor in Texas. Not essential. But if she was an illegal alien, the way that the wording is on this bill, they couldn't do anything to her because all illegal aliens are doing essential work in America. I want someone to explain this to me. I want to know how it's possible that the Democratic Party that used to be the party that championed American workers and their families could take a knife and stick it between the shoulder blades. Why in the world would you end by America, by American? Why would you want to bring in more foreign workers when Americans are scared to death they may not have a job to go back to? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. Unless your goal is to destroy Americans' ability to support themselves. So now they are compelled to go to the government and say, help me. We turn our citizens into victims, victims of the corruption and the lack of morality of the politicians. Now, don't get me wrong. The Republicans love cheap labor. They're the ones who started this madness. Lindsey Graham was one of the eight gangsters. Remember, there were four and four, four Democrats, four Republicans, and that's about right. Both parties love to see American wages shattered. Now, you have individual members of the political establishment that might not go along with this program. But I look at the leadership of the parties. And the Democrats are determined to kill the middle class, destroy the middle class by forcing Americans to compete with foreign workers who come from the third world where they are willing to accept substandard wages under substandard conditions. And not just the illegal aliens, but the aliens who are here on work visas. Why on earth would you want to do that? Explain it. If these were real journalists, they would go to Pelosi and say, why in the world would you do this at a time when Americans are out of work and scared that their jobs may have gone away permanently? I promise you that those fake journalists would never in a million years ask that question. You know, my degree was in communications, arts, and sciences. There was a time when I had thought of either teaching communications, arts, on the college level, especially debate. Or the idea crossed my mind of becoming a journalist. And journalists and agents are really very, very similar. The goals are different, but the job is the same. In both, both cases, you're a fact finder. 
For journalists, the end result of gathering the facts is a news report that educates the American voters, the, the citizenry of our country. And for me as an agent, it was to determine whether or not execution should go forward, whether or not an alien should be deported from the United States. Very often our investigations exonerated aliens. It wasn't that we were attacking the aliens. I didn't get my jollies by, by saying to someone, ha-ha, no green card for you, you know, like the soup Nazi in Steinfeld. That's, that's not my thing. It was about making sure that the letter and the spirit of the law were, you know, we, we met that, that spirit and that standard in determining who got green cards or who was deported. It was about protecting American lives, American jobs, and national security. Public health thrown in for good measure. That's what this is about. So you, you look at the Democrats doing all of this madness, and you have to ask yourself, why in the world would they do it? Does it make any sense? No, it doesn't. But the problem is no one is ever going to ask the right questions because most of these journalists are on the same page. That's what's so upsetting and so frustrating. <clears throat> Pardon me. Now you've got Cuomo saying that the federal government said that we, we should be putting these people with the coronavirus in nursing homes. <clears throat> Pardon me. That was not the case. <clears throat> what the federal government said, what the CDC said was, you may. You don't have to, but you may put people in nursing homes who have the coronavirus, but you have to test them to make sure sure that they do or they don't. And then you have to have the ability to completely isolate them for a minimum of 14 days so that you don't endanger that large at-risk population that's already in the nursing home. And then you have to have the supplies and the personnel to care for people with the coronavirus. This wasn't supposed to be a death sentence. <clears throat> so if you had a, a person with the coronavirus, they were in a nursing home, you bring them back to the nursing home, they were treated for whatever at the hospital, and you put them back in the nursing home, you have to isolate them. And if you can't do that, then you must find a different place to send them to be treated and cared for. That's what this was supposed to be about. However, you would never know it because that's not what they were about. What, what Cuomo did was to simply look at the words that say you can send them to a nursing home and said, well, that's what the feds said we're supposed to do. But very conveniently, he left out all of that other information about the way that they were supposed to be cared for when they went to the nursing home. You see the difference in, in what, what he's claiming? But is the media going to say anything about that? Absolutely not. The media doesn't care about that, not even a little bit. The media is totally in on it. This is kind of like it's like a little in-joke, and the media is in on the joke. So understand where that leads us. That puts us in a place <clears throat> where the American people listen to Cuomo's nonsense, and Cuomo says the federal government is responsible, and then everyone blames President Trump because the federal government, well, that's, that's Trump. What did Trump do? He didn't do what he was supposed to do. So now it's another way of hammering the president. Now, I'm not a spokesman for the president. I don't agree with everything he says or does. But let's be fair. Let's be honest. Let's make decisions based on facts, not accusations. I find it remarkable that it's the, the liberal side, the left, that scream about the bullies. Well, I got bullied a lot when I was a kid. I was scrawny, didn't like sports. I thought astronauts were heroes, not baseball players. And when you're a kid, if you're different from other kids, you get all kinds of slurs thrown at you, and then you get punches thrown at you. And my dad taught me that I had to go to a gym and work out and learn how to box and take care of myself and defend myself. And that makes sense because if you look at puppies, if you look at kittens, how do they play? You put a bunch of puppies into a little enclosure, and it doesn't take a couple of minutes, and you see them climbing all over each other, play fighting. Kittens do the same thing. Why do they play fighting? Because they're learning how to defend themselves. They're learning how to survive. I came to see schoolyard bullies as my sparring partners for when I became an adult. If you can't deal with a schoolyard bully, what will you do when you grow up and you have a mean boss or somebody at work is a problem or all kinds of things happen? If you don't know how to defend yourself, 
you're in trouble. And as a country, we're trying to teach our kids to not know how to defend themselves. Run for a puppy. We'll give you a puppy to hug. Oh, my gosh, you might have a microaggression. I don't even know what a microaggression is. When I was a kid, I had macroaggressions and it led to fistfights, okay? But I never started them. I followed my father's rule. The other guy had to throw the first punch, but I just made sure to throw the last punch. That makes sense. You defend yourself. Countries do it. People do it. Suddenly, American kids are being told, don't you dare defend yourself. Call for help. And who's going to help them? The bullies. Because it's the Democrats that are bullying the Americans, insulting them, intimidating them, slandering them. It's like going to Tony Soprano for protection. Let me know how that works out for you. What could possibly go wrong? Look at how the media covers the stories. There was a report that came out May 21st. This is yesterday. Associated Press. And and this is a, a wild bunch. The Associated Press issues a style book. Now, when I was in college, we had a style book. And the reason for the style book was to teach you how to be consistent with punctuation and footnoting and spelling and usage and that sort of thing. Made sense. You had to be consistent, right? Communications major was all about speech and, and reports, writing. Loved writing. I enjoyed public speaking and debate. But you had to be consistent. It had to be done properly. Style book. Today's style book also tells you what language you can use, and it's a computer program. So you put in the wrong words, this thing is going to get rid of the words for you. And the Associated Press brags that their style book can be found in newsrooms, classrooms, courtrooms, and boardrooms across the world. They've become the Ministry of Truth right out of 1984. And having mentioned 1984, I'll say it again. I'll say it every chance I get. Do not ever use the term political correctness because it's a lie. This is all Orwellian newspeak, altering the words that we alter the thoughts. If you alter the the, the words, you alter the thoughts because we think with words. Laid out perfectly in 1984 by George Orwell. If you haven't read the book or haven't read it recently, please go. You've got to read it. It's an eye-opener. You'll understand all these tactics that we're confronted with today. So here is this article that was published yesterday. Virus cases spike in California County on the Mexican border. Let me read this to you, at least the beginning. El Centro, California, Associated Press. As much of California begins reopening businesses amid improved coronavirus conditions, a farming region on the state's border with Mexico is experiencing a spike in hospitalizations that some believe is driven by American citizens who live in Mexico coming to the United States for care. How quickly different parts of California reopen is driven by the ability by country officials to control the virus. So the surge in the Imperial Valley region could hurt its perpetually struggling economy, which is heavily intertwined with the large industrial city of Mexicali, Mexico. El Centro Regional Medical Center, the Imperial Valley's largest hospital, admitted 14 infected patients Monday night, sending its coronavirus caseload soaring to 65. They should be in New York to see what we have here. That prompted it to temporarily stop accepting COVID-19 patients. The coronavirus caseload at the region's only other hospital, Pioneer Memorial Hospital, rose to 28 on Monday from 19 two days earlier. Caseloads eased by Wednesday, but only after the El Centro Hospital sent seven new patients to San Diego County for treatment and Pioneer transferred nine patients elsewhere in Southern California. Quote, Despite, I'm sorry, it says the spike is, quote, coming to us from somewhere, and we want to make sure that we don't overwhelm either one of the hospitals and overwhelm the system with COVID patients to the point that we can't take care of you, said Dr. Adolfi Edward, uh, or sorry, Adolfi Edward, uh, El Central Regional Medical Center's chief executive officer in a video posted on his hospital's Facebook page. He believes U.S. citizens living on the Mexican side of the border are driving the increase saying that the hospital staff have spoken with the coronavirus patients who say they've addressed, they have addressed in the Imperial Valley but live in Mexicali where the cases are spiking. Did it ever dawn on anybody that we may also be dealing with illegal aliens coming across the border? Yes, there are Americans who live in Mexico, and they don't doubt that some of them may well be coming back. But the problem that we've always seen is that when there's an outbreak of disease in a country like Mexico, a third world country, the natural instinct is to head for the United States. 
And there have been articles that I've read about Mexico being overwhelmed by the coronavirus. So what has happened? The push is on to get to the United States by hook or by crook. And this is why the border wall is important. And this is why border security is important. Not because we're mean, but I don't want to see Americans dying because people who shouldn't be in the country get treatment. And then the system is so overwhelmed that the Americans are unable to get treatment. You take care of your own children before you take care of a stranger's child. You don't give money to charity if your own kids are going to bed hungry at night. We can't bring the world here and solve world hunger. You know, I I kind of find it remarkable. You know, these 19-year-old beauty queens, I ask her for her platform. Like, she's going to run the world someday. And she's, my platform is to end world hunger. Okay, lots of luck. What's your plan? Well, don't get into that. Let's just end world hunger. Who knows about details? The reality is we are a country of finite resources, and boy, are we finding that out. And so if we inundate our hospitals with foreign nationals, Americans are going to die. It's just that simple. I don't want to see anybody die. I wish I had a magic wand. I've often said that if you gave me a choice of of $10 million or a magic wand where I could drive by hospitals, wave the wand, and send everybody home well and intact, I would much rather have the magic wand. I, I wouldn't be able to live with my conscience if I took the money when I knew that I had the capability of getting a magic wand that could cure sick people. Um, I don't want to see anybody dying. I don't want to see anybody get sick. I really don't. It breaks my heart. I lost my parents, both of them, to cancer while I was still in, in uh, college, and my first wife died of cancer 34 years ago. It would break my heart to be in those hospitals that treat cancer and the elevated doors would open, and I was going through enough hell with my own family situation, and the doors would open at Memorial Hospital at the pediatrics ward, and you'd see two, three, four, five, eight-year-old children with cancer. And sometimes I, I would get home so upset that, frankly, I'd wind up throwing up. I don't want to see anybody die. I don't want to see sickness. 9-11 was traumatic to see 3,000 healthy people obliterated for no damn reason. That's why I've been doing everything that I've been doing. But gosh, if we have to prioritize, don't you think a country owes it to its own citizens to take care of them first? And then whatever resources are available beyond that, then we help the rest of the world. It's kind of like what the president is doing with the ventilators. Make certain that America has all the ventilators we need, and then ship the surplus to countries that are our allies to help them with their citizens and their struggles. But charity always, 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 charity always begins at home. That's really what we're talking about. And in the middle of all this, terrorism raising its ugly head. On May 18th, just four days ago, Attorney General William Barr and... um, The director of the FBI, Chris Wray, conducted a news conference talking about the shooting at the Pensacola Naval Air Station by a student who came here from Saudi Arabia to learn to fly fighter jets who killed two of our sailors, I'm sorry, three of our sailors and wounded eight. We're very fortunate that he did not decide to use a fighter plane as his weapon of choice. Rather, he used a firearm. Could you imagine if he took a fighter plane and used it as a weapon? even if it didn't have munitions on board. Imagine if he used a fighter jet to to fly into an airliner or or crash into a building. God knows what he could have done. We need to know who we're putting on military bases. Military bases are very sensitive places. That's where all of our, um, lots of our secrets are there, our soldiers are there, sailors, whatever, members of the armed forces. When we enlist people in the armed forces, we're teaching them our playbook. And right after this happened, a bunch of the Saudi students were sent home because there were determinations made that we didn't know as much about them as we should have known. And then what's frustrating for me was that Apple was approached by the Justice Department and asked to open the guy's phone, the shooter's phone, in the Pensacola attack. They refused. President Trump reached out directly to Tim Cook and said, please help us. And he said, nope. What world are we living in? When the federal government goes to a private company and says, we've just had people killed on a military base, we believe this guy is a terrorist, we believe that his phone may help us to prevent more attacks, 
And Apple looked at the president and said, no, we're not going to do that. How does that happen? How does it happen that Google is willing to work with the communist dictatorship of China but won't help our military on moral grounds? They're willing to help China. China, by the way, really making a serious move to, to strangle Hong Kong and drag it into its sphere. There was supposed to be a separation, two different forms of government, Hong Kong, democracy, mainland China, not a democracy. Not for long, and how long will it be before uh, the People's Republic of China, so-called, goes after Taiwan? I can hear the clock ticking. They are on a rampage to dominate the world, and look at the way they've been robbing us blinded. As my mother used to say to me, a one-way relationship is not a relationship. And how we've had one regime in China after another replaced by communists, and we've had one president in our country after another replaced by politicians from both parties granting China most favored trade status, starting with George Herbert Walker Bush, continued by um, Bill Clinton, continued by George W. Bush, continued by Mr. Obama. How did that happen? How did it happen? This is a communist dictatorship, and they're brutal. They have concentration camps for Muslims. At least a million are, are being held in these camps. They hack our computers. They've been stealing our medical secrets, our chemical secrets. We've just had the professor of um, Harvard, the chairman of the Chemistry and Chemical Biology Department, arrested by the FBI, Charles Lieber, allegedly for concealing the fact that he was working closely with the Chinese government in Hunan, the Chinese scientists, while collecting money here. How does that happen? So, you know, you, you look at all the madness. So we had this, this shooting at Pensacola. And then yesterday, what did we have? We had a shooting at Corpus Christi. And so here's the headline from CNN. This was published at the 1.22 a.m. East Coast time today, early this morning. Here's the headline from CNN. Texas Naval Base shooter believed to have expressed support for terrorist groups online. And then we come to find out that the guy that did this came here from Syria, but no one seems to know how. So once again, the issue of immigration and permitting people into our country who are our adversaries rears its ugly head. And we go back to what the 9-11 Commission had to say. Essentially, to paraphrase it, border security is national security. In order to attack us, terrorists have to enter the United States. Whether it's with a visa, whether it's running the border, whether it's stowing away on a ship, they have to get here. And once they get here, then they can go about their deadly business. That's why driver's licenses are so dangerous. If you look at almost every attack, it involves motor vehicles. The attack that took place in Corpus Christi involved a guy in a truck, and he shot a female guard. She should get some kind of an award because although she was hit, she was able to lower the steel gate to prevent the truck from getting onto the base because according to the reports, Number one, they think there was a second person in the truck. And number two, the truck was loaded with, with weapons and ammunition, and there were concerns that there was a bomb, in fact, in the truck. So it took hours before law enforcement was able to secure the vehicle. Look at that clear nexus. And the media will say, well, the president imposed a travel ban for Muslim-majority countries. That's not the case. If the president really wanted to keep Muslims out of the United States, he's inept and incompetent because he left out Indonesia, Pakistan, and India. They're not on the list. Now, why do I mention those three countries? Because Indonesia is the most populous Muslim-majority country on the planet, and India and Pakistan come in second and third. I don't know which is which between India and Pakistan, which has the higher population. But the point is those three countries are the three most populous Muslim-majority countries and none of those three were on that list of countries. This isn't about Muslim majorities, folks, but it's the language used by the media to misinform and twist what the public comes to understand about the issues. The reason that there were six or seven countries on the list, and those countries were of concern to Mr. Obama as well, by the way, is that those countries are associated with terrorism, and it's impossible to verify the identities of the people who are coming out of those countries. So we can't vet them. 
If we can't vet them, we must not let them in because once here, they can do damage to us. 19 hijackers on 9-11 killed more people than we lost to the entire Japanese fleet from Pearl Harbor, at Pearl Harbor on December 7, 1941, and the death count from 9-11 continues as people are dying because of illnesses that are directly related to the toxins that they ingested when the towers collapsed. This isn't a joke. So we have this ongoing nightmare. We have a Pakistani, as I talked about last week, who came to the United States with an H-1B visa working in the Mayo Clinic, telling people that he was hoping to become a lone wolf terror attacker here in the United States. He was trying to get over to the Middle East to, to fight on the side of ISIS. And then he said, well, if I can't go there, then I, I'd love to be able to kill people in the United States. What more do we need to hear? If we're so concerned about people dying of the COVID virus that we've shut down our country, shouldn't we be at least as concerned about terrorists who've made it clear that they desire to blow us up, and they've done it in the past repeatedly? They've done it around the world repeatedly. This isn't hypothetical. ISIS isn't hypothetical. Al-Qaeda isn't hypothetical. Hezbollah is not hypothetical. Hamas is not hypothetical. Are they? So when the president acts to protect America and Americans from this scourge of terrorism, the sort of Damocles that swings over our heads, he's accused of being a bigot, a racist, a xenophobe, a hater. This is crazy stuff. This is crazy stuff. And you look at what was done to General Flynn. It was a setup. And everyone's screaming on the other side, oh, my God, why would Barr allow them to withdraw the... It was a setup. Undue pressure was brought to bear. If you listen to what Comey had to say, and I don't know why the people in that audience at the Y were laughing hysterically when he said, look what I was able to get away with. It's a new administration. I couldn't have done it to the Obama administration. I couldn't have done it to George W. Bush. But I saw that there was disarray, and I said, here's my chance. I can get away with it here. Carried a badge for 30 years, folks. Not one time in my 30 years that I ever say, wow, I didn't know I could get away with that. Get away with what? Violate the Constitution? Violate established procedures? Violate the code of ethics? Violate court decisions? If you're in law enforcement and, and, and you think it's joyful to get around or away with something, you're a danger. You're a very big danger. Law enforcement has incredible authority. As a federal agent, we could shut down streets. We carry deadly weapons. We can get warrants and kick down doors. You could change a person's life materially for the rest of their lives. This isn't a game. And so you have got to literally play it by the book, not the way that Susan Rice said, oh, we did it by the book. I believe she was the one who wrote that entry. No. You do it by the book. That's what's expected. That is what is required of you. I had a boss way back when, Frank Johnson, who always used to end meetings with the agents by saying, ladies and gentlemen, never forget that as federal agents, it's not enough that you don't engage in wrongdoing. You must never even give the illusion of doing wrong. So we're looking at all of this lunacy that's happening And the media should normally be holding the people in authority positions in check, making them accountable. That's how it's supposed to work. Richard Nixon did what he did, and the media went after him. And there's some some questions emerging now about how ethically that was pursued. Uh, I was recommended a book, and I'm going to have to check it out. I was on with my friend uh, Bobby Gunther Walsh in Pennsylvania. He has a radio station. I'm on with him every other Friday. And we, and we got into that conversation. Um, but, but let's say for argument's sake that whatever it was Nixon did, there you were. It was the Republicans, by the way, who told Nixon to leave office. And it was the newspapers who made him accountable. I don't care if a politician is left, right, center. I don't care if they're Democrats, Republicans, or members of the Hopping Kangaroo Party. If you are in a position of political power, you need to be held accountable by the citizens, and by the news media, because the news media are in the position to get to the facts. They're fact finders. Think about that. 
You know, there's an old thing that says if a tree falls in the forest and there's no one there to hear it, does it make a sound? I have a different question, folks. If a tree falls in the forest, does anyone know if the tree fell if the media refuses to report on it? You see the problem? The facts should be dispassionate. The facts aren't left facts and right facts. They're facts. Yes or no, what happened? That should be at the foundation of every effort by every journalist to get to the truth. Not, oh, this guy's a Republican, so we're going to hammer him. That guy's a Democrat, so we're going to go gently on him. No, that should be removed from the conversation. If someone is wrong, they're wrong. And we don't say, well, if he's with one party or the other, that he's wrong or not so wrong. Or No, it doesn't work that way. Lady Justice wears a blindfold for a good reason. Everyone is supposed to be equal under the eyes of the law. It's not supposed to matter if you're a Democrat or a Republican, a man or a woman, black or white. Everyone's supposed to get equal treatment. And by the way, and and I've seen this, and it gets me very upset, people saying, oh, illegal aliens, they're not entitled to constitutional rights. I'll tell you what they're entitled to, and it's due process under the law. You don't make it easier to prosecute an illegal alien than a U.S. citizen for two reasons. Number one, it's not justice and violates the Constitution. But it's also a matter of being common sense about this. If you put someone in jail, let's say, for multiple homicides and a rape, then no one's going to look for, for the, anyone that did it because the presumption is, well, we got the guy, he's in jail, or she's in jail. If you make it easier for an unscrupulous prosecutor to prosecute someone because they're an illegal alien, You can get the case done more easily, and you can take shortcuts, whatever you think they're supposed to have to meet, whatever standard that would be reduced in the eyes of some people that don't think this through clearly. If you have an unscrupulous prosecutor who can put illegal aliens away, they will. So justice will be denied, and the bad guy is still out there endangering and presumably attacking more innocent victims. Everybody loses. The laws must be enforced dispassionately, and the facts must be reported dispassionately by the media. That's not what we're seeing, not even a little bit. You're seeing this this extreme tilt. Cuomo says what he says, and the media fawns all over him. Oh, my God, that's that's Andrew Cuomo and Chris Cuomo, the, the two Cuomo nitwits. But they don't call them nitwits. Nancy Pelosi has the unmitigated chutzpah to stand in front of a freezer. A freezer big enough to hold a cow. I've been told that that freezer costs something like $26,000. It's like a car in her house. And when people aren't working and they don't have money coming in, what's the first concern they have, probably? How am I going to get dinner? And if you're a parent, how am I going to get food for my children? That's why that woman in that beauty parlor in Texas said she worked, went to work two days early. She opened up her beauty parlor. And that jackass judge said to her, you are selfish. If you don't apologize, you're going to jail. I've never heard that one before. This imperious judge sitting on the throne. All that was missing, missing was a flush lever sitting on the throne. You will apologize or you will go to jail. So they're releasing hardened criminals from jail for fear that they could contract the coronavirus and die. The jail that he sent her to has the coronavirus. I'm sending you to jail for seven days because you didn't apologize. God forbid if she picks up the coronavirus, that judge needs to be made personally accountable. She didn't apologize, so this is what you do. And she wasn't disrespectful. She kept saying, Your Honor. She didn't use foul language. She wasn't yelling at him. I watched the segment. She said, I don't believe I'm selfish, Your Honor. I'm trying to feed my children. I need to get to work so I can get the money to feed my children. If that doesn't break your heart and if that doesn't infuriate you, you're either a cold-hearted nitwit or you're a liar. It broke my heart. I was a single parent for a while. And the whole world rests on your shoulders. I've got to take care of my child. So what was her crime? She opened up her beauty parlor two days earlier, but made certain to follow all the requirements, the mask and the distancing and everything else. 
And the clock is ticking because we don't know how she is because this is only a few days ago. I pray to God that she's okay. I don't even want to imagine if, God forbid, she becomes deathly ill because of that jackass imbecile in a bathrobe that's called her a nightgown or whatever the hell he was wearing on the bench. This isn't a joke. You didn't apologize. I'm sending you to jail. Go to your room. This isn't justice, folks. This is what you expect to have happen in dictatorships with petty clowns instead of actual jurists on the bench. I once asked my my first wife's mother, my mother-in-law, she was in a concentration camp during the war because we're Jewish. I said, how the hell did this happen? And she got very serious and she said, well, everyone kept saying it couldn't get worse. We are obligated for ourselves, for our country, for our children, for our grandchildren to take a stand, to have those conversations with our neighbors, folks. This isn't a game. There's so much at stake. It's not anti-immigrant the way the media would believe, have you believe if you say let's enforce the immigration laws. Please go to Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. It enumerates the categories of exclusion for aliens, aliens who are not supposed to be permitted into the United States. There is not a single word that makes distinctions by race, religion, or ethnicity. Not one distinction. If it did, I couldn't have enforced those laws for 30 seconds, let alone 30 years. It's about aliens who have dangerous communicable diseases. Ellis Island was a quarantine station. Aliens who are severely mentally ill, criminals, terrorists, spies, human rights violators, human traffickers, drug smugglers, gang members. And then we get to aliens who would become a public charge or if they worked would displace American workers. That's what it's about, protecting the lives and livelihoods of Americans. And the people most at risk from transnational criminals are the members of the ethnic immigrant communities where these people live. But you are told constantly that anybody who wants to enforce immigration laws is anti-immigrant. Yet Bernie Sanders in 2006 went nuts and said we need to lock up employers who hire illegal aliens because if we don't do that, Americans will lose their jobs and the ability to support themselves. This was Bernie Sanders 15 years ago. Somebody or something got to him or got in him. I'd love to know what it is. Because the same could be said about Obama and Clinton and the whole rest of them. Harry Reid standing on the floor of the Senate pounding the podium saying, it's insane to make uh, kids born to illegal aliens in the country citizens at birth, and it's crazy to give them free anything. And now the Democrats are demanding free universal health care, free college, free everything no matter what your immigration status is. And now we, we again see terrorists who've been able to game the immigration system one way or the other, <clears throat> concealing their connections to terrorist organizations and their ultimate goals in coming here of committing terror attacks. How many more Americans have to lose their lives before we wake up? It's not anti-immigrant to insist on securing the borders and enforcing our laws. And by the way, that border wall, not designed to keep anybody out of the country. It really isn't. It doesn't block the ports of entry. It simply funnels all traffic through ports of entry. <clears throat> I compare it to the, the velvet rope at the bank that guides you to the next available tailor. This most certainly is not a wall of hate that you keep hearing about. Again, the lies from the media. The reason for the wall is to make sure that people are inspected and contraband, such as narcotics and weapons, don't come across our borders. What is wrong with that? What is wrong with that? Give it thought, folks. Uh, I hope you all have a wonderful weekend. Stay well. I hope you're able one way or the other to get together with family members, whether it's by uh, FaceTime or Skype or, or live in a person, hopefully. But please have those conversations. There's so much going on, and we need to learn how to have civil conversations with one another and celebrate the First Amendment that so many of our brave soldiers died defending. Remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. Please check out my articles at frontpagemag.com. Forward it to as many people as you can. Uh, post the links on Facebook or other social media. And check out Team DML. I do podcasts with Team DML, Dennis Michael Lynch News. So long for now.